Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. Welcome to Radio Marinara. My name's Bron Burton. My name's Dr Beach. I'm Rex Hunter. How are you guys? Good, Bron. Fancy seeing you here. <laughs> our final Radio Marinara for 2022. We're all about to uh, head off into the sunset on our vessels of choice. And sure underwater. Are. Yeah. <laughs> we have an absolutely jam-packed show today, which is why we faded our theme a little earlier than normal. Sorry if you were just getting into your regular Sunday morning jig. Um, we are very shortly going to be joined by Ben Francishelli, who's going to be talking to us about uh, oh, very exciting news about which we, we just know it as side B. So we'll find out about more about that shortly. And uh, he's going to be doing a talk coming up, which you really should uh, be aware of as well. Give a little bit of be- bit of details about what the talk will be about, but uh, keeping a bit of a mystery around this one. So we'll get into that. Dr. Beach, you're going to be bringing us some very special interviews that you've done. I had a very exciting Thursday. I went out with the Port Phillip Sea Pilots um, in those orange launches that some of you may have seen uh, that go out through the heads and um, meet the ships. Captains get on there, pilots, and they shepherd the ships back in. Um, really wonderful experience. Um, and, yeah, I feel very fortunate to have done that. And, yeah, I'll be bringing um, some clips. I took along my, my little microphone and um, made some recordings. Cool. Rex, you're going to be talking... Talk, talking about what's coming up in summer. Uh, summer and next year we're getting doing some work on the wreck called the Tommy Dot. Oh, excellent. We are going to then uh, cross to the West Coast. Very excited to be joined via Skype um, by young Edie Walker. If you are long-time listeners of Marinara, you'll know about our special connection we have with Edie. Uh, she loves all things sharks and particularly megalodons, which I'm just leaving that one as a little bit of a drum roll because we're going to welcome Ben in just a second. But we're going to be talking about our, our favourite things of 2022, um, in, particularly with books and also, you know, a little profile of some things that you might like to, you know, it's that gift-giving time of the year. If you're stuck for ideas, we'll give you some ideas of books that we've looked at and reviewed over the 2022. Um, also, beautiful calendar, which I'll talk about in a minute as well. So, yep, talking to Edie about that. And then finally, Jeff Maynard's going to join us, bringing us home for 2022 with his final ever instalment of Soundwaves 007, The History of Diving as Told by James Bourne. That's been such a great segment this year. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. Hey, let's welcome to uh, Radio Marinara, Ben Francis Shelley. Always a pleasure. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited. (laughs) We're excited too. Let's get straight into Site B. I mean, you know, you're going to come up with a more creative name at some point. Well, look, the name was first uh, kind of coined uh, on the basis of Jurassic Park because there's Site A, which is Isla Nublar, and then there's Site B, which is Isla Sauna. So we're massive nerds. Um, But short story with all of this is that it's finally cats out of the bag. We've finally announced where Site B is, this amazing site in Bayside. It's Black Rock. Right. Tell us about Site B. So it's completely underwater. Uh, We found it in the beginning of 2018. Members of the public alerted us to it, and then we went out going for a dive. And then as we started to continue to look for this stuff, we found evidence of hypergigantism of baleen whales at a time when we weren't expecting, evidence of seals, monk seals that no longer exist on the continent, killer sperm whales, the megalodon, giant pseudotooth birds, and even... Uh, Zygomaturines, which are giant marsupials the size of cows. Oh, my gosh. So this is just off Black Rock, underwater. 
Don't Correct. go. Don't yeah. go taking stuff, people. If you're listening, and we triple our people, of course, we're not going to be doing that. But um, but that's that's very exciting. So, what what are the plans for Site B? Um, to continue to go and look because okay. there's still a lot more material in which we need to recover. We've uh, been looking at it for the last five years, but we know there's a lot more exciting stuff out there. So if you're interested and you want to know just a little bit more about it, you can always check out my socials on the gram as well. I'm a fool's experiment, A underscore fool's underscore experiment. But I'm also going to be giving a talk in the near future as well. And uh, I'm going to be uncovering the secrets and also bringing a display of some of those fossils in early Jan. So if you want to keep tuned into it, just follow me on those socials. It'll be lots of fun. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Ben. Thank you very much. Really looking forward to it. Sorry, it's been a super speedy catch-up with you, but we will catch you. Stay, Stay on the line. We're going to catch you in 2023. I'll see you then. Triple R. going to quickly swing around and, and uh, Rex Hunter. Right. In my 10 seconds, I've got No, you've got three minutes <laughs> and go. Right. What's happening with maritime archaeology? Actually, you guys are connected with the stuff that you're doing. Yeah, both got passion, you know. Yeah. Crazy, for, crazy for passions that take over everything. Old stuff under the water. Old stuff under the water, yeah. That it's might just... be the name of your segment next year. <laughs> All right, what's happening? So we're looking for uh, – well, we found – if you are – Listeners, remember we found the uh, wreck of the Tommy Dodd back in early 2021. So um, it was a little catch from Tasmania, so you know, just under 50 odd feet long, and it disappeared in 1877 and was refound in 1879, two years later, by fishermen and then sub- subsequently salvaged. So we uh, we spent about 10 years looking for the for the thing and found out from our first search we were about 50 metres off. And then spent another nine years looking in the wrong place. So uh, this this is a really really cool cool site. We've dived it. We've done a rough got a rough idea of what's down there. But now we're going to do a proper full survey. So we'll set up a grid around it. We'll measure it in. And it's, this site's really evocative because three people died on. Mm. And when some of the guys were there a couple early this year, they actually found a, a sole of a shoe. And that what, what that tells you that is. Oh wow! Somebody, yeah, was there? It's physical evidence. Yeah, of yeah. People passing on on this wreck. So we want to go and you know, do a do a proper survey, see what's there, record the site, and then we'll hand the information on Heritage Victoria. But it's such a cool little site. So that's what you'll be doing over the summer. Well, we're going to be starting just after summer. So we want to still want to keep the site a secret. So we don't want to be out waving flags. And people. I was about to say, where is this site? <laughs> well, it's off. It's off uh, St Leonard's. Right, okay. But there's a lot of water out there. And you've got many people who are working with you on this one, Rex? Oh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll put probably a team of 10, 10 or 12. Yeah, yeah and, and it's through the Maritime Archaeology Association yes. of Victoria. And yep. we work we work closely with Heritage Victoria and they've given us the permits to disturb, disturb the site and all, all that. Yeah, we're just like, if you can, you can imagine me with two fingers crossed, that's what we're like. We're like peas in the pod. Excellent. You've actually come under time. You've still got a minute. Anything else you'd like to mention? Uh, what, what else would I like to mention? Oh, yeah, always looking for new shipwrecks. So if anybody anybody's out there and happen to find one, they can contact me through this. But, yeah, there's still still some great sites. Like we've, uh, the site just off um, the Elwood Canal, and that is a really, really neat site. It's got massive floor frames to a uh, called ribs and they're about you know 220 centimeters wide it's just massive 
So this is just off El, so from where Elwood Canal hits straight out to yeah, the bay. Head west from there. Huh. And about four hundred metres, three or four hundred metres out, there's a, a huge shipwreck in there. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, any idea what it might be? I've I've got no idea. Ah. That's that's another mystery. So that's that has to be solved as well. But it's massive yeah, massive timbers on for this thing. Wow. It's like a if you imagine an East India, which is a big old sailing ship, you know, built but like a duck. Massive, yeah, massive frames. Yeah, incredible. So, very exciting. Well, good luck with that over the summer. Yes, yes. We'll try to get, if if it stops raining, I don't want to be swallowing poop when I'm out there. <laughs> None of us do, Rex. <laughs> hey, thanks, Rex. Okay, thanks, bro. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. Last Thursday, I um, had the very great pleasure of going out with the Port Phillip Sea Pilots. Sea Pilots, um, well, Rex is here in the studio. You talked about them um, oh. a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? About yeah. three weeks ago. Yeah, started yeah. off in 1839, one of the oldest institutions in the state. I think the Melbourne um, Melbourne Football Club is the only thing that's older. <laughs> and the Geelong <laughs> Advertiser. I had, Which is um, easier to get into, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Port Phillip Sea Pilots have their, um, I guess, their headquarters at Queenscliff in Tobin Drive. Tobin Drive is actually named after the first of the Port Phillip Sea pilot, well, the per- first sea pilot we had in Port Phillip, George Tobin, um, who died, sadly, yeah. on, on the job. And um, They also situated in Williamstown as well. Also in commute, Williamstown, yeah. Between. And also in um, Geelong and, yeah, yeah. Up, into, up in the city. So they've got four stations, but the, the main one's down in Williamstown. Uh, sorry, Queenscliff, where I went, Tobin Drive. Very kindly shown around by um, the Chief Executive Officer, Torsten Burgess. A big shout-out to you, Torsten. And, by the way, everyone else down at Port Phillip Sea Pilots, thank you again for such a great day. Um, showed me around the operations centre where you're looking out at the heads and there's um, there was Greg there in the operations room. He was showing me on a couple of screens the different ships that they had expected to come in, the, um, the register of the pilots they have who are going to go out. All these pilots are sea captains in and of their own right. They have very a lot of experience um, in Port Phillip and also um, the other places that they go. So yeah, also up the river. Up the river and all of that. Yeah, really Port and highly experienced people. Um, I took along my little um, microphone with my, um, with my, with my, <laughs> with my cell phone and, and made some recordings. We're going to go to the first one very soon, and this is where we're, we're heading. We're now out on the launch. We're heading towards the heads, the launch being the orange boat um, that the shepherds that will take the pilots out through the heads to, um, to the boat that we're going to meet. Um, the launch is skippered by um, Mick Callan. He's the, he's the coxswain of the launch. And we've got Andy Herman, one of the pilots, uh, Captain Andy Herman. He's also talking on this. You'll hear a lot of that as well as me. Um, and we also and also on the launch heading out with um, with Andy to this ship, to this um, this Chinese tanker that we're going to meet, is Cade Richardson. Cade Richardson is a trainee pilot, so he's going along. He's learning the ropes. Um, and then there's a deckhand on board, Al Dennett. Um, so, yeah, let's go into this for a few minutes. Oh, yes, yeah, it's a great job. If you love the scene, you love boats. Yep. It's a great job. Plus, there is, there is an element of, of risk in it. Some people enjoy that side of it, I suppose, too. And, and responsibility. Yeah. Once you'll see, once Andy and Kate get to the ship, you know, we've got to, we've got to set the, the ship on a course that makes a safe leave for them to get on. Uh, breaks all the weather. And then we've got to hold the boat there nice and still so they can get on without it bouncing around too much. Yeah, so it's challenging. I find that part of it. I enjoy too the challenging side of 
doing a good job. I like doing a good job, but I don't like seeing these guys put in any bloody sort of day. And Al, and Al with that kind of eye, he's going to be up the front of the boat as well. So Nick, Nick might be uh, talking to four ships at a time, uh, getting them on different courses and, and lining them up where he wants them to do the pilot transfers. And uh, so, so each, so one boat, Nick, you might skip a boat coming out which has got four pilots on it and you've got four ships that you have to deposit people onto in one hit. Wow. So now we're starting to go through the heads. The swell's picked up a bit. Uh, one, one interesting thing is uh, Nick or the launch coxswain has the power to uh, abort a pilot transfer if the conditions are such that he can't do it safely. Right. And that in turn closes the port. Yeah. So this man here has, has the power, to, has close the power the, to close the port of Melbourne. Stop the port of Melbourne if he can't do his job safely. Has that happened in, um, well, it's in memory for you? <laughs> That's it. There's a lot of commercial pressure on that decision. There shouldn't be, because these days it's all about safety. So yeah. that's what it's based on these days, it's safety. But in years gone by, and that could be a contributing factor as to why those guys perished. There's a lot of commercial pressure to keep going, no yeah. matter what the conditions. I see the tide's got us now. Yeah. You might want to hold on. No, a bit of rock and roll. So hanging on with my arm. <laughs> It's actually not too bad. We can come back in that way on the way, on the way back in. Why? Yeah, look at that. <laughs> so we're going out to meet. What sort of ship today? That's uh, an oil tanker. Oil tanker. Okay. And uh, I would say, let's have a quick look at the, the vessel. I can see something on the horizon. Maybe that's it. And we will go, so we're just about through the heads now, and we will go how far out? About five miles. Uh, the pilot boarding ground is located five miles southwest of Point Lonsdale Lighthouse. And the reason why it's that far out is it gives us enough time to, to get on board, uh, talk through the passage plan with the, the captain, and uh, take over the conduct of the vessel before we get into the yeah, port waters. So you essentially hijack the vessel, don't we, you? We basically you, get on You, board you, you take it over. Yeah. It's all yours. It's a, it's a legal responsibility that uh, is enforced by the, by the state. Yep. And uh, the master is not allowed to bring the vessel into port limits without a marine pilot who's licensed by the state. And, uh, yeah, this particular vessel, uh, it's a product tanker. It's going to go to the anchorage, but we'll end up most likely going to Holden Dock. Uh... She is pretty deep, 11.5 metres, so she's fully laid. So that was, who could hear at the end then, that was Captain Andy Herman, he's the, the Port Phillips sea pilot who's going out on the launch uh, with me and um, the coxswain, Mick, Mick Callan, um, who's skippering that boat. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's starting to get a little bit rough. Now we're... Um, Mick, the um, the coxswain of the, of the launch, is starting to begin communications with the with the tanker that we're going to meet. Um, and Andy, the pilot, Captain Andy, um, he's describing what's about to happen. Four zero seven zero speed twelve knots. That's correct. Thank you, sir. Stand by this channel for further instructions. 
Nick's as the as the launch skipper. Like he's got a really important job because he's he's now giving instruction to the ship. I'm just to, clocking that right now, listening to him. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's giving instruction to the ship to to get the ship on a course so he can get the pilots on board safely. You know, so um, he wants to get the wind the wind and the swell uh, on the on the other side of the ship. Yeah. So that really we're on a we're on a protected. You're on the lee side. We're on the lee side. We're protected. So that really once when we step out of the out of the launch, we've got to go on the deck of the boat. We're in the safest possible position, and really that's the the, the key role of the, the launch. And I, I, I will I will see it soon, but you'll be scrambling up the side. Yeah, that, that's right. So we're probably looking at a climb today of seven or eight meters up up the rope ladder to get onto the ship. Um, yeah, so uh, the, uh, the the launch skipper Mick will get us in the best possible position to do that and keep us safe on deck ourselves and the and uh, and the deckhand so we can get on there safely. Every gig must be very exciting. You must look forward to it. I mean, like I, I'm thrilled, of course, being yeah. here. But but for you, I can see the delight on your face. And stuff. Oh, look, it's a, it's a, yeah, look, it's a it's a great great job. It's a it's a great responsibility to sort of. To, to have and um, it's enjoyable and, and every job's different uh, so Andy, the pilot there, he's describing um, what's going to happen when he gets up on the on the ship and the, when the launch uh, sidles up alongside. And by the way, the launch and the, and the ship that they're going to meet are not stationary. We're at the pilot boarding ground. They're all doing around 10 knots. They're motoring along. Um, and as Andy said, he has to scramble up a rope ladder. So with all this technology, they still use rope ladders to get up the sides of the ships. Um, Captain Andy, the, the pilot, is now going to talk about the variety of vessels that um, they handle coming through the port. Yeah, so we, we, we do all ranges of ships in Melbourne, whether it's a cruise ship, a row-row vessel bringing in new cars from Japan, whether it's a tanker from Singapore, a crude oil tanker from the Middle East, a uh, cruise ship that's uh, down doing Asia-Pacific. Yeah. Uh, we're probably the most variable port in Australia when it comes to the types of vessels that uh, come through uh, the headship. So it's uh, all commercial vessels? No matter what the size? We, well, we do get some private vessels that uh, are over that 35 metre mark. Uh, and even if they're under, they may opt for a pilot because they don't know the conditions. Yep. But things like super yachts uh, are one example. Um, large fishing vessels, but then they're commercial. So, yeah, mainly super yachts over 35 metres. For... That'd be fun gig. That's a nice one, yeah. yeah hang yeah, around, hang around for a bit well. of a party once you get to the end. <laughs> <laughs> Not too happy about a dirty pilot boat coming alongside their white boats. And like the scuff parts down the side. Yeah. <laughs> Wipe your heels before you get on. <laughs> So now we're getting very close to um, to the tanker that we're about to meet. Um, and again, for those who have just tuned in, I'm, I'm out there with Port Phillips Sea Pilots um, last Thursday week. Uh, so the launch is moving alongside and the pilots are about to ascend the ladder of this um, this tanker. So we're getting close here. We're coming around to the to the stern of the ship and sidling up along next to it. Ranyu He, Ranyu He, Wild Yes, sir. Hold report now. Make your call. Zero five zero. Twelve knots. Pilot boarding. Okay. Okay. So we are approaching zero five zero, and uh, 
So we're right alongside the vessel now. Two pilots are getting out the back. It's all very exciting. There's a rope ladder. So the pilots on the launch are going to the to the bow of the launch and now they're about to shimmy up this ladder. About four meters up. I can see crew on the um, on the tanker, masked up, full COVID gear. Mick, the skipper's concentrating very hard. This is, um, of course, the most tricky bit, I'd imagine. The bags are going up. And Kate's going up the rope ladder. And they're up there, greeted by the crew. Bags are getting winched up now. And it looks like we're done. Um, pretty straightforward. Pretty much, yeah, pretty straightforward. It's always a little bit longer than we'd like when there's two pilots getting on a ship, normally only putting one on, and the weather conditions are fine, so we can sit by the ship for a bit of while for us. Yeah. Normally, sometimes that, what we call the lee, is limited by the weather conditions, and it, so you end up with the swell running up behind you and things can get messy pretty quickly, but today's. Yeah, I can imagine you're done. Just, I felt a little bit then when we were next to the ship, we were actually touching it. We were sort of like tipped over to the to the left a little bit, to the port. <laughs> and on a rough day, that could be, um, yeah, a lot, a lot more so. Yeah, well, especially, it all depends on the type of the ships as well. There's ships with bigger windages, which catch the wind more on the side of the ship, like car carriers, which are just like giant floating walls, pick up the wind a lot more. So when we're alongside them and they've got the wind on there, on the windward side, obviously, where the leeward side, they're blowing down on us all the time, and they can really push, yeah. push us over and outside. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, the Nepean heads back in the heads after successfully um, depositing um, Captain Andy Herman onto um, a Chinese flag tanker, and it was yeah a very fun day. And again, thanks heaps to um, the crowd at Port Phillip Sea Pilots, to Torsten Burgess, David Ben, and Michael Hansen, Captain Andy and Mick um, the Launch Coxon. Amazing stuff. That was my big day out. Felt like I was on the boat with you, Dr Beach. (laughs) You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. We are now crossing to catch up with Dave Donnelly from the Dolphin Research Institute. Good morning, Dave. 
Good morning, team, and Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas Same to you. Same to you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, how's it going? We are going exceptionally well this morning at Corio Bay. We called from Corio Bay this morning, and um, yeah, we're here with a message for summer for all of our wonderful people out there on the bay, and that is keep your distance to the dolphins. Give the dolphins a fair go when you're out in the water this year. It's super important, isn't it, Dave, because every year this comes up that, that it's just the temptation gets too much for people. They're out there on the water and the dolphins are doing their thing and they want to go up and see them, but it's not good for the dolphins. Absolutely, Bron, you're 100% correct, and it is getting worse every year. And what we're doing this year is relaunching our dolphin distancing program where we ask people to visit the Dolphin Research Institute website and commit to dolphin distancing, trying to create a community of people who care on our bays. So what? Let's, let's spell it out. What are the regulations around distances from dolphins? The regulations are this. 100 metres if you're in a vessel, and a vessel includes a SUP, believe it or not, uh, right up to um, large vessels. Then we have things like um, PWCs, personal watercraft or jet skis. They're 300 metres, and if you're a swimmer, it's 30 metres. And that's from dolphins. Um, from whales, let's talk about that in winter. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So just repeating that, 100 metres, uh, uh, 300 metres if you're in a jet ski. I think that one's really important. Is that where most of the incidents tend to arise with jet skis? Um, it's the one that people most care about, it seems, but I think really it's across the board fairly evenly. So, um, yeah, look, it's, it's vessels and the jet skis are separated because of that high speed um, and the inability to see things at distance because they're travelling so fast and they're so low. And with monitoring too and, and being out there and patrolling, this is something that happens, isn't it? It's important to mention that too. Yeah, look, um, for what it's worth, I think the citizen science community are probably the best at doing that. In fact, um, they, they record quite a lot of incidents and report those through to the department um, for follow-up. So, yeah, there will be eyes on the water, but please, folks, you know, dolphin distancing, give dolphins a fair go. Yeah, good one. Hey, thanks, Dave. We're going to move on. Um, all the very best for the summer ahead. I hope you have a fantastic, I'm going to say, have a fantastic Christmas, have a great break, and um, thanks for everything this year. We look forward to catching up with you more in 2022. 23. <laughs> well, we can turn the clock back if you like. No, same to you, Marinara, guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to 2024. <laughs> <laughs> and three in between. All right, we'll catch you. Thanks, Dave. See Good you soon. You see ya. Triple R. All right, now it's uh, time to turn our attention to the best of 2022. So we're having a look at some um, uh, books that we've had a look at throughout the year and uh, I'm just going to welcome you straight in. Good morning, Edie Walker. Good morning. It's so great to have you back with us. Now, for um, for Triple R listeners who uh, who listen to this show every week, you, uh, you'll be familiar that we've spoken with Edie in the past because your thing is sharks, Edie, is that right? Yeah. Is that still true? Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. You've actually got a shark behind you, which people can't see because they're listening to us. But, yeah, pretty cool shark sitting on top of a stereo. So amazing stuff. So I'm just going to quickly go through um, some of my favourite um, marine-themed books and, and other ones as well from 2022. And then I'm going to um, we're going to talk about a couple of kids' books. Yeah, that's right, which you've been reviewing and talking about. So uh, we're going to talk about them. So first one I want to mention is um, it's actually not marine theme, but there's marine bits in it. It's Oslo's Melbourne. Um, so Oslo Davis, who is a longtime friend of Triple R and uh, had his own music show, the Oslo Music Show, has just put out an, a book called Oslo's Melbourne, which is really just, it's a collection of all his um, 
cartoons, drawings, reflections on life in Melbourne. So I totally recommend that one, Illustrated Adventures in the World's Most Tolerated City. Uh, Also, this one you don't have to pay for. It's through the Victoria National Parks Association, the Guide to Victorian Sea Slugs. So this is something that the VNPA put out a little while ago featuring uh, all the nudibranchs um, uh, that you can see when you're underwater in Victoria. So you can grab yourself a copy of that one still as well. Um, We spoke a couple of weeks ago with Graham Patterson about the third book in his series, Coastal Guide to Nature and History 3, Western Victoria, Point Lonsdale to the South Australian Border. Uh, So if you've got uh, people or for yourself, um, grab yourself a copy. It really goes through the history of coastal towns from Point Lonsdale all the way to the South Australian Border. It's the third in the series and there's some really cool stuff at the back, uh, little guides to, you know, creatures that you might find if you're walking on a rocky shore or in the coastal um, part, the coastal dunes. Totally recommend that one as well. A Dolphin Called Jock, we spoke with Melody Horrell uh, about her memoir, uh, really her life story and the impact of uh, a particular dolphin in the Port River uh, in South Australia. Um, so we spoke to, with Melody about that one a few weeks ago. And so totally recommend getting a copy of this one and reading it for yourself as well. The last two I wanted to mention, um, one is Jeff Maynard, who will be joining us very shortly. I've brought in Wings of Ice, but there's also Unseen Anne's and a whole lot of other amazing books of Jeff's that you can pick up. We're putting, I should have said from the outset, we're putting links to all of these on our Facebook page so you can just have a look at our um, what we've put up for today's show and follow the links through to that. And the last one I wanted to mention was um, Tony Sowsby, who's a well-known uh, artist and friend of Triple R, uh, has got a beautiful calendar. He puts one out every year and this one, he's called it Take the Plunge um, and it just features a whole lot of his artwork including a stunning uh, image on the front, uh, which is of two, I think it might might even be his kids, I'm not quite sure, but two kids jumping off a pier. Um, Just beautiful images from around Melbourne in particular. And you can hear the cellophane crunching on it. Ron passes it to me. Indeed, yeah, it's a lovely picture at the front. This is my Christmas present to myself. I buy one every year. So just um, supporting all of those local authors, local artists, and uh, as I mentioned, links to all of those on our Facebook page. Now, two authors and two artists, or two authors, I should say, that we're going to talk about. Um, one is Rob Lorenzen. Shall we talk about Spike Surfs, Edie? Yeah. Let's do that one first. Tell us about Spike Surfs. What's it all about? It's about um, a dog called Spike um, and um, his owner, his previous owner, put him at like a lost dog's shelter um, because he got a small apartment and Spike like needed a room to run around. Um, and then this guy called Rob um, adopted him and Rob took him to the beach for the first time um, and Spike didn't want, want to go in the water. But one day he couldn't wait um, waiting on the bri- um, like the beach on the sand. Because um, Rob he- was out paddling, wasn't he, and Spike started getting really nervous because he was waiting for him on the beach. Yeah, um, so... Um, Spike just jumped into the water and started paddling and the surfer thought he was in trouble so the surfer put him on his surfboard and then Rob got a special board that had grips for Spike and then that he entered him in a dog surfing competition and um, in the announcement um, Spike's name came through the loudspeaker and he thought he was in trouble but it was actually them saying, um, that he won the competition. He like he caught the best wave. 
It's so cool. Um, would, would you recommend this for your friends to read, Edie? Yeah. And if you had to rate it out of five C stars, how many C stars would you give it? Four. Wow. Awesome. That's a pretty good rating. So Spike Surfs by Rob Lorenzen and we had Rob in the studio. In fact, Spike came in with with uh, with Rob as well. So if we get them in, we'll have to make sure that you can meet Spike for yourself, Edie, one day. Yeah, cool. All right, that's great. Um, let's move on to the second book. So Sonny the Shark by Remy Lai. Now, I'm hoping next year we might be able to speak with Remy Lai about Sonny the Shark. And uh, would you help me interview her? Yeah. Yeah, let's, we'll make sure that uh, we organise that in the new year. Tell us about Sonny the Shark. What's Sonny the Shark all about? So Sonny the Shark is an oceanic white tip. And um, so these little pilot fish joined him on, his, um, on her journey. And they named her Sunny because um, she got this um, balloon ring tied around her, and it was a yellow balloon. And when she and when she dived down with the balloon on her, um, the fish said it looks like she was pulling the sun. Yeah. So they called her Sunny. And um, she's but they the balloon snapped off, but the plastic ring stayed on her. And once when she was chasing um and like these. Um, before she got the plastic ring, um, these researchers, like, um, found her and tagged her. Um, and then when once when she had the plastic ring on, when she was chasing a, a stingray, she went fast and, like, the ring pinned down her left fin and it made it hard for her to hunt, but all the pilot fish left except for one and the barnacles were on the plastic ring. They still talked to her. Um. So we should, and, we should say too, Sunny the Shark is a graphic novel, isn't it? Um, Spike yeah. Surfs was uh, lots of photos of, of Spike, the actual dog, but this one's a graphic novel, so it's kind of like cartoons. Yeah. But with like speech um, bubbles. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, with little speech bubbles, exactly. And, the, um, and you said the barnacles talk, so all of the marine creatures in this book talk? Yeah. Yeah. And it's based on a true story. Um, Destiny. Um, it's based on, like, Destiny. But she wasn't an oceanic white tip. Yeah. She was, I think it's like a pop girl shark. What happens at the end of this one? Um, at the end of this one, um, like Sunny, um, she gets the ring cut off her um, and like um, and like she gets tackled by a squid, but the marine researcher, he was tracking her with the tag to cut off the ring and he found like these squid marks on her. Um, from a giant squid, and he said, luckily, um, sharks steal quickly. And, like, she, um, like, ruled the sea again, kind of like that. <laughs> cool. So Sunny the Shark by Remy Lay. It's a graphic novel. Um, and uh, how many sea stars out of five for this one, Edie? Four. Four. Four for that one as well. Brilliant. So um, Edie's just, if you've just joined us, Edie Walker been reviewing Sunny the Shark by Remy Lay, published by Alan and Unwin. And Spike Surfs uh, by Rob Lorenzen. Uh, I'm just having a quick look to who the publisher is. Um, let's have a quick look at the back. I think it's just a Wild Dog Publications. And the proceeds from that go to Lost Dogs Home, so it's important to mention that one as well. Brilliant. Hey, thanks, Edie. That was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, will you join us next year? We'll do some more book reviews, but join me and we'll, um, we'll organise an interview with Remy Lay. It would be great to have you be part of that, if that's okay.
Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Hey, thanks for joining us. Have a great Christmas. You too. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website, rrr.org.au. Jeff Maynard. Good morning. Good morning. Last time. Closing the Tear year. In, the eye. in in true yeah. true marinara tradition and uh, farewelling James Bond. We are farewelling James Bond, uh, Brian. We we started the year doing the history of diving with James Bond. We started, I think, the first time we did medieval diving bells. Last time I was on, I was doing bathyscapes, which went to the bottom of the ocean. And this time to close it out, we're going to briefly look at the future. Uh, with a movie called Tomorrow, The Future of the Oceans I'm talking about, with a movie called Tomorrow Never Dies, which is one of the Pierce Brosnan ones. And as always with James Bond, we always start with a situation where world peace is threatened. So let's have a listen to world peace being threatened. Sound the general alarm. The ship has been overflown by two Chinese mates. We believe they have hostile intent. The Chinese pilot insists that we are only 11 miles off their coast and he will fire if we don't turn around and go to a Chinese port. Send this. We are in international waters and will defend ourselves if attacked. Copy all this to the Admiralty Urgent. Are we absolutely sure of our position? In the 17th century, when European nations started scrambling and taking over countries all around the world, uh, they introduced the concept of territorial waters and high seas. And territorial waters were basically two to three miles from the land of wherever you were. If you took over a part of Africa, two two miles out to sea, you had um, territorial waters. And that was because you could fire a cannonball that far and so you could defend that. Anything beyond that was high seas and it was open for anything, piracy, whatever, no no laws on the high seas. And this went on for a couple of hundred years, basically. And um, anyway, that's not really relevant. Well, that is relevant here. But anyway, whenever we have an international situation, which we're about to talk about, and we just heard the ship being in sort of someone else's waters and not knowing it, um, people getting upset, we call in James Bond. And whenever we call in James Bond, uh, we find him in bed with a beautiful woman. So uh, we've got James Bond in bed with a beautiful woman and Miss Money Penny is about to call him. James? Invincible's underway for some Where are you? Oh, Money Penny. Um, I'm just up here at Oxford. Brushing up on a little Danish. Little? I'm afraid you're going to have to kiss off your lesson, James. We've got a situation here at the Ministry of Defence. We're sending the fleet to China. Uh huh. I'll be there in, a, in an hour. Realised that the um, sort of two or three mile limit of well, you could fire a cannonball was inadequate, so the United Nations put their head together and came up with the Convention on High Seas, uh, and they extended the limit to about two hundred nautical miles and called that exclusive economic zones, which means you could um, fish it and all that kind of thing. Uh, and then, but in the nineteen eighties, we had a lot of interest in resources and mining and. Um, uh, so they brought in um, the International Seabed Authority, which was 
pretty much everyone ignored and started going out and mining the deep seas. But what we've had in the last, I'd say, four to five years are DSVs, deep submergence vehicles, and they basically mean we can zip down five miles, six miles underwater, mine the heck out of the whatever's down there, bring it back up to the surface. And the, the ocean bed has pretty much um, the best resources of everything from gold, platinum, um, silver. And most importantly, it's got all the rare earth minerals that we're using for hybrid cars, solar panels, mobile phones, computers. So the irony is, of course, to, um, the, to get a sustainable future, we have to um, ruin the seabed to do it. Um, but anyway, what we have now is a lot of deep submergence vehicles running around and the um, uh, the UN uh, introduced, sorry, the International Seabed Authority. So before you go and mine things, you're supposed to speak to them. But anyway, uh, back to James Bond. He's about to jump out of a plane. He's got all his scuba gear on. He's got to save the world again and... Um, uh, uh, jump out of a plane about five miles high with your scuba gear on, go down, swim down, and um, sort some issue out. So let's have a listen to James doing The halo that. jump is where we get the most fatalities. You free fall for five miles and use your oxygen, or you'll die of asphyxiation. You'll be traveling over 200 miles an hour. This snaps your head back like a cantaloupe. Be careful not to crack your skull open on the tank. I'll keep that in mind. Seems like an awful lot just to save the world, Jimbo. About no choice, Wade. Does he have any U.S. government markings on him? The parachute, the wetsuit, the fins. Jeez, if the Vietnamese catch him, they're going to go crazy. <laughs> so something that we're going to sort of look at in the future is... is, is um, and, and it is something that's really only happened. We have to wrap this up super quickly, Jeff. Yeah, it's going to have something happen is, is just how we're mining the seabed and something we're going to be looking uh-huh. at in the future because it's uh, becoming quite an issue over the last few years. Will that be your theme for 2023? No, my theme's completely different. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk <laughs> about this when you're back today. in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll figure that out later. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, al- thanks also to Edie Walker, Dave Donnelly, uh, Ben Francis Shelley. Thank you, Dr. Beach. And thanks to the Port Phillips Sea Pilots. Indeed. Thank you, Rachel very much for panelling for us today and uh, thank you to Rex as well uh, and to you, Dr Beach, for another amazing year at Radio Marinara. It's been a complete pleasure. Uh, thanks to the rest of the crew. Also to you, our listeners and our subscribers. We've been reading through your messages that you sent through during the Woo! That's right. Triple R. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.